You're listening to audio from The House, located in Kelowna, B.C. If you'd like to check out more resources, please visit us at thehouseonline.ca. Good morning, everybody. It's a privilege to share the morning with you. What a weird couple of weeks it's been, right? I mean, with the smoke and then the weather and then it is just... Our tourists are gone. Like they, they I wouldn't come here. Uh, it's just uh, really affected everything. I have a really simple talk for you this morning. Um, I want to want to launch from a couple of verses that I shared two weeks ago. In Jonah chapter two, there's this great verse. It's so convicting, but so powerful. It says, "Those who cling to worthless." idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. The truth of it is that all of us cling to worthless things. We all do. All of us cling to habits that are destroying us, but we still cling to them. Attitudes, biases that sabotage relationships, distorted value systems. I was reading something, seeing how this is a study of the book of Luke. Uh, I want to read you something. And Luke, uh, okay, right before Jesus is about to leave the planet, he would teach all day and he'd always go to, to, to pray in the evening on Mount Carmel. And of all of the things that he could say to his disciples in the last little while that he's on this planet, he said this, be careful of, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing. By the way, carousing, I looked this up. Carousing means plenty of amounts of alcohol um, with others in a lively way. Doesn't sound so bad. I don't know. That. <laughs> Minus the alcohol, we do that here sometimes, you know. Um, it says, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. And that day, and that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. Don't you think it's interesting? He said, alcohol and anxieties will eat your lunch. If you're not careful with your heart, if you don't keep close accounts on your heart, anxiety and alcohol will, will seep in and begin to sap you. As we cling to worthless idols, I wonder how many of these things are, can, are included in that worthless idols list. But that's not what I want to talk about. This morning, I want to talk to you about how to, to claim and to live in the grace that is ours in Christ Jesus. It's really simple. How to claim and to live in the, in the grace that is ours. Psalm 119 verse 12 says this. I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. I incline, I incline my heart to perform your statutes to the end. One translation says this. I've decided to obey your laws they offer rewards that never, ever end. And this is the grace that could be ours. See, see, when he says, I have inclined my heart 
Did you know absolutely nothing happens in your life until your first your heart is inclined to do something? Every behavior, every behavior in your life, all of it begins at the level of your heart. I incline my heart. It means that your heart doesn't always have to be in a certain position pointing at a certain thing. But when you incline it towards that thing, the psalmist is saying to us that, that I, I, I am intentionally inclining my heart. I'm leaning into your words. I'm leaning into your, your instruction. I'm leaning into the kingdom of God. And I think that's the same thing that Proverbs verse, chapter verse 24 Verse four, chapter four, verse 23. It says, above all else, guard your heart for everything flows out from it. When you really grab a hold of that, like many of us, you know, we, you know we're good at working out or we're not. Um, you know what? Many of us are pretty aware of how physically fit we are. But are you, are you, are you even remotely aware of how, how, internally unhealthy you are? If you're frustrated about your, your addictions and your habits and your behavior and all of that stuff, and you're trying to change it all out here, you're going to frustrate yourself because it all starts at the level of the heart. And the, the writer of Proverbs says, above everything, guard your hearts. Because without a guarded heart, no great life, no noble life is even remotely possible. So unless you're doing some serious internal push-ups, internal guarding, awareness, protection, you set yourself up for failure. But, 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 but what the, the writer of Psalm um, 119 says this, he said that we, we, if you will incline your heart to God... Holy desires, divine wisdom is yours. Insights that you cannot have, insights that don't even come from this realm, but they come from another realm. You see, your calling and your destiny, the Father is holding it out to you. He is just waiting for you to incline your heart to him so that he can share it with you. Some of you are so desperate for words of life, for words of affirmation, for words of hope because your life sucks right now. And the Father's saying, just incline your heart because I would love to share this with you. But you've declined your heart or you've inclined your heart to everything else. An inclined heart really is a pure heart. And Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God and by the way when I talk about inclining your heart it's not a one day event it's not a one time event if, if you want to walk in the freedom and the fullness of a grace that could be yours every day then there must be a constant inclining of your heart towards him you, 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 it's not like I got I inclined my heart to God at camp and I got baptized and that should be good. You can't just set it once and leave it. You can't set it and forget it. It doesn't work that way. Think about this. Go to the gym 
and do a really hard workout. Work on your arms. Do a, do a tough cardio. And then abs until you can't do any more sit-ups. And then go home and look in the mirror. Because you know what you'll see? Nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. But if you go to the gym the second day, Work different muscles or you'll pay for it. But you do an equally as hard workout working different muscles. And then you go home and you look in the mirror. This time, you know what you'll see? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And in so many ways, we that's just the way it is with your spiritual life. We can praise Jesus. Yeah, we're good at that because that's we've got nothing else to do while we're here except for check our phones and praise Jesus. And nobody's texting us right now, so let's just praise Jesus. You, you, you know something? You, you, you have an encounter with Christ, and you're so in love with him, and then so you go home, and, and you're, 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 every day you're reading your Bible. You don't even know where to start, but you're trying, and, and, and you're, you're, you're loving him, and you're singing the song that you learned, and you're, you're leaning into him, and, and then you look in the mirror after about a month, and what do you see? Nothing. Nothing. All the promises the preacher made, all the promises the Bible made, I don't see any of those being fulfilled in my life, so this is stupid, I quit, right? But when you know that the very thing that you're engaged in is fundamentally the very right course of action, and you commit yourself, there's a word right there, Human beings have this infinite capacity to adjust downward. The only way to move upward is with the word commit. And if you'll commit yourself to a regime of exercise and you, and you go, you know what, it's going four or five days a week, I'm not backing off. And you get some guidance, you get someone to help you, you know something, I, I, and you stay with it. Truth is, you can even cheat. You can cheat. Have chocolate every now and then, and you can skip a day every now and then. You can skip two days every now and then. But if you will stick with it, I don't know what day it will happen, but I do know 100% for sure, one day you'll start getting fit. Guaranteed. And the same is true for setting our hearts to heaven. The same is true for renewing your mind with God's word. The same is true. That if you, if you stick with the, the, the discipline, and this is not sexy. You know what? There's, you're, you're not going to get goosebumps. You know what? This is, this is about commitment. And you say, you know what? Every single day... I am going to begin my day or end my day or somewhere in my day, I'm going to get quiet. I'm going to demand, I'm going to turn all the apps off in my brain. I'm going to shut them down because they're draining my battery every day. And I'm going to get quiet. And every single day, I'm going to open my heart to the word of God. There's three ways that you should, can 
would be beneficial for you to engage with the word of God. One is read it. Two is listen to a talk. And three is listen to the scriptures just being read to you. Or four, I got another one, just made one up. An audio book. Those are really good too. Things that will inspire you. Every day, you could do one of that. We, we have the technology, folks. We can do this. And number, the other thing that I think every single day, if we will um, make ourselves available to the Holy Spirit and say, I'm yours. I'm yours. Fill me. I'm taking you to work. You know what? I, I pray that they can smell you on me. I, I pray that, that, that you're, you're, you, you would emanate forth from me. Renew your mind. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Get quiet. And if you'll do that every single day, I don't know what day it will happen. I don't know what day it will happen. I can't tell you it'll happen after the first week or second week or first month. I can't tell you what day. But one thing I will tell you is for sure, the day will come when you begin to experience heaven flowing through your soul, heaven renewing your mind, and heaven impacting the world around you more and more and more. We love, as Christians, we love conferences. We love, whoa, let's bring in the big guns. Whoa, let's go. It, but, and those are good. Those are good. But you can't live your life going from one mega event to another. It doesn't work that way. It's about consistency. It's about what you do daily. Somebody, my friend tells me this. I'm sure that everybody knows this quote. It says, practice doesn't make perfect. It just makes permanent. And I know this is true. Come and watch me golf. And, um, and, and you will see there's no perfection there whatsoever, but there's a permanent bad swing that I have developed over the years. Um, you know what will happen if you brush your teeth for two minutes today? Nothing. <laughs> you know what happens if you brush them for two hours tomorrow? Your gums will bleed. <laughs> Brushing your teeth for two minutes does nothing unless you do it for two minutes, twice a day, every day. And so is it with inclining your heart. To, is this so hard? It's pretty simple stuff, right? And, so, and, and yet you don't do it. You don't do it. So consequently, you have spiritual bad breath. You, you know, you stink inside. Your heart is toxic because you know to do this stuff, but you don't do it. I know to do this stuff, but I do it and Chad doesn't. Okay, let me give you three. This is so simple. I'm on page two at the bottom, and, and we only have three and a half pages. So let me give you three habits that you get from Psalm 119, starting in verse 112. Three things that you can employ every single day to guard your heart and to incline your heart uh, to, to, to the Father. The first is you got to know what to hate. The second is you got to know where to hide. And the third is you got to know what to hope for. Okay? What to hate, where to hide, what to hope for. And here's the verse. Incline, I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. You are my hiding place and my shield. 
I hope in your word. He says, let's talk about hate. We never talk about hate in church, do we? But hate can be an incredible, um, a powerful motivator. And there are some things we should hate. Um, he says, I hate the, the condition of being double-minded. I, I, I hate that I know one thing and I do another. I, I hate that. Um, personally, I, 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 there's a bunch of stuff that I hate that actually makes me better. I hate being unprepared for a talk. I hate it. Okay? Uh, when, when I was in high school, I had a friend. His name's Wilf, Wilf Kazmaier. No, not the bodybuilder or the, weight, the really heavy weightlifter guy, but Wilf was uh, about seven years older than I am. When I was in high school, he was just finishing university and he became a teacher. And I sucked all the way through high school. And so he was constantly there tutoring me for free just because we were friends. And somewhere in my, I think 19, maybe 20 years old, he said, you want to co-teach a junior high Sunday school class with me? And I'd done anything with Wilf. I mean, this guy was my inspiration. And so I said, oh, yeah. And so at the beginning, he did all the teaching. And then would just solicit kind of input from me and, you know, and and little by little, it gave me more responsibility until eventually I was teaching, you know, maybe once a month. And, uh, and everything was going really good for a few months. But then one day I forgot it was my turn to teach, right? Because I was busy doing something you do when you're a teenager. And um, I show up on Sunday morning and I realize I'm up and uh, I'm, I'm like a deer in the headlights. Whoa. Whoa, whoa. And I actually didn't know enough verses to, to, to fake it. And so, 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 and, and I didn't think Wilf was going to be there because he said he was going to head out of town. But I think, okay, it's okay. I'll tell some stories. I'll, I'll juggle. I'll do something. And then we'll get through that. And, and I'll, but no, guess who's sitting in the classroom when I come in? Wilf. About 10 junior high kids and junior hires, like, seriously, like, if you can teach junior hires, you can teach anybody. You know, they, they're just, uh, you know, focus deficient and, and they, they, they kill their wounded. They eat their dead. They, 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 they are their own breed, right? And, um, and so I'm, uh, I'm, 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 I, I fake my way through the introduction. And, and, and that's the best I got. And it's only moments before everybody in the room knows that I'm completely and utterly unprepared. There's 10 kids. What does it matter? 10 junior high kids, right? But the thing that killed me is I'm fumbling along, feeling like an idiot, and I look at my friend, and he's standing, sitting at the back of the class. He's got his arms crossed, and he goes like this. He's so disappointed. He goes, when I, till I die, I'll never forget that. I was so ashamed. I was so... I disappointed him. I hated that feeling and I hated that nod. I hated that disdain, that, that disappointment so much that I vowed it would never happen again. Now, I, I can't make you like me. You know what? In fact, I, you, you, the truth is some of my talks seriously suck. But I want you to know this. They are well-prepared sucky messages. They are well-prepared, okay? I, they're not because I'm lazy. They're because I just didn't know what I was talking about, okay? Um, 
But I, I hate not being prepared. And I'll tell you something. The interesting thing is, is that, that I hated it so much. I said, I'm never going back there. And so I began to prepare and prepare and prepare and prepare. I prepare when I know I'm up. I prepare two weeks in advance and try to chip away at it. And you know what's happened? My heart has reset over the last 20 years. And that it takes a lot of work, but I love it. I love it. I love, I, love, I love listening to, reading, studying, unpacking things that I didn't know before I started to look at them. And then, and then I like to pull them through my personality and give them to you as if I knew them the whole time. I love the whole process. My heart has been reset. Sometimes you need to hate being overweight so much that you'll buy a gym membership. Sometimes you just hate being tired and lethargic so much that it moves you in another direction. Interesting thing about exercise is that when it becomes a normal part of your heart, your life, your regimen, like Kim's here, like he, Kim's over, Barnstable's over there. I mean, he's got the body of a 20-year-old and he's what, 75, 65? <laughs> Oh, no, I think 50, 55, actually. <laughs> I can't remember what it was. Somewhere between 75 and 50. And, um, and, uh, but he works out every day. He goes to the gym every day. And you know what? He loves it. You know why he loves it? Because something resets in your heart when you do it every day. It becomes a part of your rhythm. So I'm, when I was like 20, I was 20, my spiritual gift was potato chips, and um, I, I, I looked like a potato chip. I, um, I, you know what? I worked, and then I come home, and if I didn't have stuff to do at church or whatever, I would eat, drink pop, and eat chips. And um, one day, this is a true story. One day, I'm just thoroughly enjoying enjoying all these carbohydrates and just realize that I'm developing a really beautiful relationship with the bag and with the chips and, and the pop. And I'm watching a swimming event on television. And have you watched male swimmers? Is there anything more spectacular than a male swimmer's body? Like their waist is the size of my ankle, right? <laughs> And they flare out. Their shoulders never end. You know, you know, my hanky has more material than their swimsuits. Like, it is all just so, you know. And I, I'm watching this swim, and they get out of the pool, and they, you know, like that. And, and, uh, and I decided I want to look like that. And this is the honest truth. I decided I want to look like that. I didn't even finish watching television or my bag of chips. I went and got my trunks and a towel, and I drove to Renfrew Swimming Pool, which is about a kilometer from my house. And before I could stop myself, I bought a punch pass. And the gal says, you know, you, you, you get to, the first one's free. And I said, I thought you're closed because there's not a soul in the pool. And they said, this is length swim. It's like this every night between 9 and 10. And so, Okay. And she gives, lets me use a pair of goggles from the drawer, and, and, I, and I start swimming. Well, I swam like a potato. Like, I, I, 
I have to stop every, every few feet, breathe, because you can't breathe under the water, and I don't know how else to do all of this. And so you flail, stop, breathe, flail, stop, breathe. And finally, um, um, there's a lifeguard, and this is painful for him. This is like he, is, he can't even watch. It's just hurting him. So I said to him, I said, you're bored. I don't know how to swim. Throw me a bone here. Help me out. And he said, that's a great idea. And so... Um, I started to swim, and he's coaching me along the way, and I swam badly. But I went back the next day, and the next day, and four years later, I'm still swimming anywhere between four and five days a week. Four years later. And you know what happened? My heart reset. I painted, I was working for my dad at the time, all over the city of Calgary, and I'm telling you what, before I got to work, I knew where the nearest pool was. And I knew when their length swim was. And I took my trunks everywhere I went, and I swam, and I swam, and I swam, because it became part of what my heart reset. Sometimes you, 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 you need to hate being depressed, and you hate being anxious enough that you're, you're going to begin to reach out to the Prince of Peace and reach out to words of life, to get out of your, 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 your oppression and you reach it. Sometimes you have to hate it that much. Before you can know what you love, sometimes you, you need to identify what you hate. I hate the things that diminish me. Second thing, you know, need to know where to hide. Where, where, where do you go when life is beating you up? Where do you go when you feel discouraged? Where do you go when you fail? Where do you go when, 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 when you're going backwards? Where do you go when you go broke? Where do you go when it's all pushing in on you? Because all of these things, you know what they do? They, they, there's two purposes to them. Number one, you have an enemy that hates you, but they're there to get your heart to decline rather than incline, to get your heart to decline. And some of us find ourselves hiding in the running to the enemy of our lives to find a hiding place. We run to our wine. We run to, to, to our addictions. We run to broken relationships. We run to those things and we hide in them. And there are places in your heart that you run to. Number one, if the hurt, if the church has hurt you, and I'm pretty sure if we had an altar call, we'd get you all up here. Because the church has been a world of hurt for people. And when you get hurt again, where do you go? You go back to rehearsing all the hurts. You go back to that toxic place in your heart. Do you know where to hide? You see, the truth is every one of us is going to hit with this, get hit with discouragement. We're all going to get offended. Okay, you, you're offended. Ooh, you got offended. You know what? Everybody in the room gets offended. But the people that move through and keep going forward, part of their strategy is they know where to hide when all of it comes rushing in on them. And the, the psalmist says, God, you are my hiding place. You are my hiding. See, to live a life with an expectation that you're never going to get attacked is to set you up for enormous failure. You're going to get attacked. But to set yourself up for success, do you know where to run to when your heart is under attack? I love the story in 1 Kings chapter 19. Elijah, pretty big deal. Elijah, like kind of a, 
uh, and, he, and he calls um, 750 prophets of Asher and Baal that belonged to Jezebel. She imported them when she came into the marriage with Ahab. And he says, enough is enough. The nation of Israel is going to have to decide. If God is God, let's worship him. And if Baal is God, let's worship him. And he says, this is what we're going to do. There's an altar on Mount Carmel that had, that had, had broken down because it wasn't used anymore. And Elijah goes up there and the Lord instructs him, you know, put a, a sacrifice on that altar. And then he calls to, to the 750 prophets of Baal and Asherah and he, and, and, and he says, you know what, uh, you call down fire, I'll call down fire. Whoever wins, wins. Okay, that, that's God, right? And, and when, when they, the, the prophets of Baal and Asher lose, they're all killed. And Jezebel, Ahab's ugly wife, Jezebel, she vows that she is going to kill Elijah. That's just where it's going to be. On her own blood, that she's going to kill him. Well, he's not afraid of 750 prophets of Baal and Asher, but he is afraid of that woman. And so Elijah runs as far as he could possibly run. He runs and he finds himself and he's hiding in a cave as far away from ground zero as he could possibly get. And God comes to him in that cave and he says, hey, bud, why are you hiding in this cave when your calling is back there? What are you doing? What are you doing hiding in this cave? Did I not feed you for three years during the drought? Did I not protect you on Mount Carmel? Did I not bring down fire from heaven for you, dude? Don't you know when you are walking in my righteousness, in my place, in my calling, I'm the one who hides you in plain sight of the enemy. I can hide you right smack dab in the middle of enemy territory. So get back to your calling. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. And the righteous run into it. And they are safe. See, Elijah had a cave. What does your cave look like? Is it perfectionism? Is it pseudo-spirituality? Or is it actually Jesus? I'm going to invite the band to come up and I'm going to land here. You know where I learned to hide? I learned to hide before I needed to hide. Uh, it's no, I've shared with this community, they know that, that I've, I've had my bouts of mental illness. I know what deep depression feels like. And when you're in it, you feel incredibly powerless. And I decided at some point in time, I was so sick and tired of being sick and tired, that I could sit in this thing and let it dominate me, or you know what, or I can go to the doctor and get some help. I went to the doctor and get some help, got some help. And at the same time, I decided I'm not rolling over. And so I began to look at everything Jesus said about my situation, about my depression, about my anxiety, about my hopelessness, about my powerlessness. I began, I read everything. And I had this little book, this little, that I could carry around, just a little bit bigger than that. 
And, and, and I began to write what, what my circumstances said and then what Jesus said and what my circumstances said and what Jesus said. And what Jesus said was always highlighted, always highlighted, it was highlighted, until the book was full. And every day I looked like a lunatic. I looked like a crazy man because I get up in the first anxiety attack, the first anxiety that would hit. You know what? I'm, whether I'm driving or walking or in, in, in the hallway of the school that I worked at, I whipped my book out and I began reciting these verses over my own soul, over my own, over my own circumstances. Because you see something? The guy who gave me these words, he is a strong tower. He's, he's bigger than my circumstances. In fact, he's been where I am and he's been where I'm going and he has something to say about it. And so I'm going to believe what he has to say. And so I began to memorize and to quote and then a, lots of great songs would come. And you know what? And, and it's, you sound like a crazy person, but you are doing battle. And I hid in the promises of the Lord. Not in my, you know, I was more focused on the promises than I was the path because the path sucked at that time. And I created these war books for my own soul. And then when my son, my oldest, went through a huge challenge in his life, I said, let's do this, son. Let's, let's build a book. And my son uh, wrestled and wrestled and wrestled through high school, through really some tough stuff. And you know what? I'd go see him in his school and be walking around the school like a crazy person with his little book. But you see, nobody, who cares what you look like when you're at war? Nobody has perfect hair at war. And my son leaned into these promises and he, he just began to, his, this is what Jesus says about my circumstance. This is what he says about my circumstance. This is what truth says about my situation. This is what it says. And he walked around and he hid in the word of God. And it didn't happen once on a week, on a Sunday. It happened multiple times a day while the enemy is trying to beat him down. He said, I'm hiding and then my wife, and then my other son, and we got war books, man. You know why we are gonna get through to the other side and we're gonna make a difference? It's because we know where to hide. We already built the books. We already know where to hide. Last point, very quick. My heart knows how to hope. And these overlap. I hope in his words, because they're words of life. I hope not so much in the path, because the path can be difficult. I hope in the promises that give me buoyancy, even when the path gets really bumpy. I, I, I hope in the one who said, I'll never leave you. I'll, I'll never forsake you, okay? Because you know what? When, when you're in pain, best, most cathartic thing you can know is that somebody's right there with you who's actually felt some of your pain. He said, I'm going to complete the work that I began in you. I'm going to I'm going to hope in the one who knows me better than I know myself. I'm going to hope in the one that's done my journey and is already where, knows where I'm going, has been where I'm going, and has the way to get me there. That's the one I'm going to hope in. I wonder if today is a day of reset. It's a day of reset. The day where you say, you know what? I'm tired of being a victim. I'm tired of feeling powerless. I'm tired of being addicted. 
I'm tired of my bad habits. I'm tired of the way I am and how it affects my family. And I wonder if the Lord's inviting us this morning to incline our hearts towards him. Not once, not today. If, you, if you're going to make a, any kind of decision, you need to know it's not about today. It's about every day. It's about the rest of the year. And at some point in time, and I don't know what day that will be, I promise you'll see results. You'll experience heaven. Let's pray. If, you, um, if you're here today and this is specifically something that you're going, okay, this is my day for reset. I'm going to invite you to stand up. If this you say, you know, I'm here and uh, you know what? And I appreciate the fact that this may not be for everybody, but if you're here and you go, oh, boy, that, that is, I, that's me. And if today is a day that you're, you know, it's a day to reset your heart, to stand, I'm going to pray for you. Then I'm going to join everybody and uh, we're going to worship. Father, we stand before you today. And we stand as a declaration that we are going to incline our hearts towards you. Father, we are running to you as our hiding place. We're running to you as our fortress, our strength, and our shield. For those that are standing, Father, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd come with a special measure of grace and a special measure of courage and strength, Father, for a new way of being, for a reset at the level of the heart, a reset at the level of the mind, a reset then, Father, ultimately at the level of our behavior and our disciplines and our habits and what we do daily. Blessing on them, courage, strength in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to invite everybody to stand. Thanks for listening to audio from The House. For more information or resources, visit us at thehouseonline.ca.